everyone. Welcome to a new episode of Relative Pitch. Thank you so much for understanding our little hiatus last week. We always talk about needing the work and life and just uh, personal life balance. And we're taking our own medicine. We took our own medicine. So it felt great. What did you guys do with your last week to kind of get everything back on track? Nothing. <laughs> I love the honesty, Michael. Thank what takes you. place this week? Uh, why does it take place this week? <clears throat> Marching band is over. And we right. have three straight contests, which should never be done. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, the whole thing of band's over, you know, that thing is like, it is true. I don't like that it's true, but it is true. You know, that month of October really be fighting people on site. Like just, just bam. Yeah. Bam. Every week. Every weekend. You're just taken and all that. But you know, most people for I know it's like over. I know people in Florida, they have MPA coming up. So but that's I think the first week of November. And then they would be done. Um but for me, how I spent my week, my birthday was um, last week. So I just kind of spent that doing that. Um, and, you know, everybody was like, what are you doing for your birthday and everything? And I was like, school. <laughs> it's, you know, when you get older, your birthday becomes like, mm, yeah, it's a day. I'm still doing the same things. Like, you know, when I was teaching, what would I be doing on my birthday? I would be teaching students how to play an instrument, how to read music, how to do this, how to be a human being. And now that I'm back in school, what what am I doing on my birthday? I am still teaching. I am still conducting. I you know doing all the stuff. Um, but I did have a little birthday dinner with the people that were in Atlanta. Uh, Lauren is all the way on the other side of the country, but she was there in spirit. Um, but yeah, that's really how I, I kind of spent my time, um, through the week of relaxation. I just have to say that, like, if you think about it, like most people start like classes, like what, August, was it mid-August, late August or whatever? And then we kind of just starting. So it's a lot of syllabus. We, you're trying to just, you're kind of just getting into things. September, you have, um, uh like one break with is it labor day like right that we can hold on to like if we get to labor day we can chill but then it's non-stop through october until <clears throat> thanksgiving right mm-hmm. so that's why i always see like thanksgiving or like october as like hell month because i'm like there is just no stops it's just go 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 don't die go <laughs> well yeah. also it wasn't the middle or the end of august it was august 2nd when school started. <laughs> school. Mm-hmm. So we had a month and a half. Then there was finally a break. Yeah. Well, at least at the at the forefront, you have that energy, right? Like you're like going into it and everyone's excited. But then once you get to October, people are like, don't talk to me. Uh-huh. Band camp. Don't ask me about no assignments. Band camps. Yeah. If you've been I'm, doing band camps. Okay. Like I'm telling you, if you are on the if you on the teaching thing of band camps and things, your last break is June. That's true. I have not stopped teaching since 
I'll look at my calendar. Mm. July 11th. Yum. Yeah, Jeff. I mean, did you choose the educator life or did the educator life choose you? Ooh. Mm. Which one? <laughs> Which one? I chose to have a livable income. Mm. 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 I guess. I mean, <laughs> that place is it, it, fun. it is fun. It, it, I, I love it. It's fun. So I'm just like, you know, it's something that yes, we choose to do, but but it really it it's gratifying. One to just see kids happy and just like yesterday was a competition and, and they were acting a fool and hey, the, we, the good really way. Work. We, we, like, we did the splur, we did okay. the jerk, we were dancing. What was the one? We did the bus stop. <laughs> did the bus stop, like mind you, it, it was just a it was a good day. Um, so you know. That's what we do this for, is to see the happiness on students' faces. So, um, but all in all, it, it looks like we're finally getting to a break soon. But as we've always said on this podcast, whenever you feel overwhelmed or overstimulated, it is okay to take a break. It is okay to just say, look, I need time to myself. And let me go ahead and, and get myself, get my house in order. Then I'll come back and I'll and I'll give you whatever you need. But until then, please respect my time. And that's definitely something for me. I felt like the past two weeks have been like go 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 like nonstop between my balance of school life mm-hmm. now being in real big swinging year. Like we got concerts and everything coming up. I'm planning already playing my first recital. Like all these things are happening. And then for me, y'all know that my fellowship with the Seattle Symphony started in June. And so right now the concert season's really picking up in the sense that all these programs that we were pre-planning for are actually coming to fruition. Like we have concerts and and things that my department specifically are starting up this week and they're big shows. And so it, I had to kind of take these past two weeks to really figure out what's my balance. Like, how do I go about this in a way that I'm not always catching up to things i don't feel like i'm missing things i don't feel like i'm waiting to the last minute to do things like i want to be the person who my homework is done the friday before the monday it's due you know what i mean and then like i want to be like the person who if there's something a performance i'm doing this month two months ahead the music's already known me and the pianist are locked down like that's who i want to be and I had to learn how to get that back the way I used to be whenever I was just made when school was like just my main, main big bowl thing to now getting it back to that level. Now that I also have this really huge uh, career obligation that I'm also wanting to do. And so it was really great. It was crazy how one little thing being changed from my schedule allowed me to really like I've been like getting back into it. And now I feel like I'm actually ahead of where I was like when I first, you know, two weeks ago and everything like I feel like I'm on top of it. So I cannot incur and I also like that feeling of feeling like you are ahead of what you're doing instead of being like catching up to it feels so good. Right. And the fact that I had like verbal um, uh affirmation from my professors being like 
your progress is here. Like we can see it, it's showing, like that was my biggest thing of making sure that I wasn't slacking in anything that I'm doing and having that affirmation from supervisors, professors saying, no, you're doing this stuff, you are doing the things. And I feel like I'm even like giving more to it. Um, I can't encourage you enough. Take what, if you, if it's just one, if you need one mental health day from something, if you need to just drop one thing that week that you're doing to make you feel like you're catching up on something, do it, do it. Cause after the fact, when you have everything and you're like, oh baby, I'm on top of this, it's going to be way, way better. You're not even going to worry about the one thing that you had to just stop and cut out to make everything more in line. So always, I will encourage it from day one. Yeah. So, Lauren, how has your fellowship been? You know, how has it been going over there with the, with the Seattle Symphony? It's, you know, I am so lucky in the sense that um, my department, which is the Education and Community Engagement Department, is such a great like group of people in general. Everyone, like, we're, we just have very, like, we're all from very different uh, backgrounds, but we merge together in a very beautiful way. So we work together really wonderfully and everyone's skill sets kind of brings to the group in different ways. But also the projects that I'm specifically coordinating are things that I actually care about and things that I it, it excites me to go to work. Like, I don't have this feeling like when I wake up, and I go, oh my gosh, I have to go to work. I'm like, oh my gosh, I get to go to work. And I'm, I'm being legit. Like, I'm not lying about that in the sense that like I enjoy when I'm at work. I enjoy the people I'm around. I enjoy the work that I'm doing because it's stuff that I actually have been wanting to do. It is so different being in a career field where you're like, this is something I'm actually passionate about. Because some of the time, I don't feel like I'm working. I feel like it's something that I enjoy. I, mean, I enjoy writing these emails to these people. I enjoy writing up this document or this project proposal because it's something that just makes sense in my mind to do that doesn't feel like an extra side task. You know what I mean? Like whenever, sometimes whenever I used to do homework in the past, I was like, I feel like I don't really need this, but I feel like I'm just doing this to appease something else. This is not that. This is something that I'm like, I feel like this is pulling out the best side of me and my creative juices. Um, so with the, with that in my department, shout out to y'all. Uh, y'all are the amazing and we have, I'm very open with them about, about um, like how I'm feeling and the task and if it's something I need help with it. And they're always the same way. They're like, can you help me out with this task? Um, they understand my school life balance. They're always asking about school and being like, how is the, how are things going? Making sure that I'm not overwhelmed, which I do really appreciate a lot. Um, and with the actual fellowship, there's still, let me, so the actual fellowship, this is only the second year they're doing it, right? So, and the first year was fully remote online. So in a way, us, us cohort for this year are kind of the guinea pigs of what this is actually going to look like. And we have kind of accepted that because we are just the first ones to ever do this in person. And all the all of our, the ballet, the opera, King FM, and the symphony are just opening our doors back up for in-person performances. So it's a new looking thing for everyone. Um, and something within the cohort we have been discussing are like, really like what are sustainable things that these programs should be doing in order to actually help the cohort, the people who they accept into this fellowship. And something I do want to say that if, uh, if I can say kind of grinds my gears um, is when in these fellowship situations that are specifically for people of color, that most of our time, instead of being focused on actually learning things that are going to help us be the best at arts administrators for our next steps of life, we're talking too much about our trauma. 
and too much about our past, which is weird because you would think in a situation where you're all like minorities of a certain or we're all people of color to a certain extent that we would already have this shared experience, which we do, by the way. But it's like the situations and the workshops and all those other things that they're kind of putting us in a lot of them are focused a lot on too much on like personal things and also past stuff. And we're more like, we want to know like financial analysts on the like nonprofit side. We want to know how to become like a grant writer on the non, you know, that's what we're here for because those other art administration fellowships that don't do, that are not specifically for people of color, that's what they're doing. That's what they're learning. And that's what whenever they go out to apply for jobs and they know all these skills and all these credentials, say I have this in business management, arts management, da da da. And then I can say I sat in trauma circles for a year. Who's going to get that job? So that's my biggest thing. And I have, I listen, I back whatever I say up. I have said this to them. And this is something we have all expressed because I'm not here to sit up and talk about what I have faced as a woman of color, a, a black woman within the classical music field. I don't need to talk about it. Come listen to this. If you want to know, just come listen to this. But it, I want to learn about all the little things that you ha you can't learn within music school because they're just not built like that yet, right? Like they're just now getting these arts admin courses, but usually those are actually within the business school more than anything, not even in the College of Fine Arts. So that's something that has come, I think, up to, we've been talking about that a lot more this week because I'm really starting to think, well, like, what is what am I going to be five, ten years from now? And how can I, what can I do right now? What can this fellowship offer me that I'm going to take into that, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so you, you hit on a point um, that I kind of just want to bring up, like, a lot of these courses that are designed for people of color really do kind of harp on trauma um, and, and, and not just sessions, but even look at like something as simple as movies. The movies that like say, I'm just going to take black because that is my culture. That's one thing that I always identify with. The, mo the black movies that, you know, come out are usually trauma based black movies. But then, because I, I first of all, I am tired of trauma. I, I really am. Like, I, I for years upon years, I, these movies would come out and I'm like, I, I just can't. I just can't. One of the movies, uh, like Moonlight, mm -hmm. Academy Award winning, great cinematography, all of that. But that is traumatizing to me as a black gay man, I don't want to see that personally. It's a great movie. It's just, mm, those are a lot of triggering moments. Okay, what about something like, I don't know, make a black gay movie that is positive, that that is uplifting, you know? But the people that are in charge, they're like, no, they need to talk about their trauma. They need to, you know, experience that. I've experienced enough. I really have. Also, when you go into these diversity seminars, whatever, um, it's trauma-based. Uh, what I find is disrespectful when the only Black person that's in a room, tell us about your experience. Ooh, I hate it. Mm -mm. You know my experience. Next question. Mm. <laughs> 
other people, would you like to tell your experience? Mm-hmm. Talk about that. Actually, I would personally rather the person who has given this seminar to ask the white people, what is your experience with black people? Who? <laughs> ask that question. Can you imagine? I want to hear I want to hear that experience. That to me is more important right now because um, oh, and this is is it, this is grinding my gears. This is grinding my gears because it's been on the tip of my hat um, in the past couple of weeks. So you know, um, I'm getting my master's degree in conducting right now, and my future goal is to one day be you know at the university system. Um, and so, you know, all the jobs are coming open right now and you look at what do they require for an application? And of course, they a CV, um, a cover letter, a, some teaching philosophy. But then that last one, a diversity statement. Why? Do I, as a black gay man, hmm. applying for a position that obviously it ain't it, y'all weren't looking for me 60, 50, 40, 30, 20, 10 years ago? Why am I creating a diversity statement where I'm supposed to say, I believe in diversity, equity, and inclusion? <laughs> well, <clears throat> Also, mm-hmm. these are not things in 2019. Correct. And before. Correct. And you know what? The reason these diversity, why that diversity and equity uh, uh, statement is there is because they realize that the people that they've hired don't really care about any of that. But you know what? For these institutions, it's a way to cover their own ass. That's really what it is. Oh, well, this professor said that they, you know, cared about diversity. They cared about equity and inclusion. This is what they said in their writing. So we are not at fault. Yeah. But then my question is, as a person of color, as a minority... Obviously, diverse, uh, these things are very important to me because if it wasn't, I would not be here. I'll be. So really, what, what do you want me to say in this? Because if I were to say the music community has been outright racist, outright misogynistic, outright homophobic, things need to change. And this is how it needs to change from a radical standpoint. Everybody on that board will read that and say, we don't want him because he is going to do too much to shake it up. Ooh, you just, ooh, a whole nother, yep. With, just up. <laughs> with that and these searches happening post-2019, we're going to say post-2019, they're starting to become more targeted searches in higher academia where they target certain people who fit what they're looking for that won't rock the boat and it is happening all over i know at least four universities it's like we're gonna hire an oboe professor that doesn't look like an oboe professor and i was like oh 
Okay. Mm. So you just don't want to like be fair on every job. You just want to be like, we're going to target the open. Okay. Cool. I something because I don't I don't know who's who's triggered it or said it, but the, I think what, when you were Anthony when you were talking to the whole like if I'm a black gay male like why do I have to say it? Think about it. Think about the people we have met who are themselves minorities who are from backgrounds you would consider they should have a great understanding of that, yet they act the way they do. Right? Because I'm going to say it. I've met some people. I met some skin folk who ain't kin folk in our, in our industry. That's tea. Oh, that's so, tea. I can name up quite a few. That's what I'm saying. Like, I, so I understand still why. It, I, first of all, I think diversity statements are dumb. And I don't think we need it's, it's Same for um, um, land acknowledgments. Because they don't do anything. Unless you are acknowledging something in order to say, like, also, like, 10% of what we're doing is going to go back to this tribe to help them we rebuild in there. If not, I don't want to hear it. Because what, what else? All you are doing is placing blame and responsibility on people who've come before you, but not accepting any responsibility for what you have in front of you to do now today. So I don't want to hear it. Mm-hmm. Period. Diversity statements. I don't want to hear it. I want to see it. Like, what are you actually going to do whenever you are in that position? Which sometimes you won't find out until later, but you can look at what Michael was saying. You can look at what they have done and talk to that and go, oh, well, in your diversity statement, you said this, but when I look back at all the people who you either worked with or da-da-da or this or the projects you've done, they've been very Eurocentric. What do you have to say about that? That's the question they should be asked on the spot in their interview with people with their with people's eyes on them. That's the question I want to see answered. Mm-hmm. But also at the same time, these hiring process, like people want a safe candidate, right? They want someone who goes, checks boxes. Maybe the, I will say, like Michael's been saying, the post 2019 hiring boxes they want to see. So, oh, if we get a woman, that's great. If we can get a person of color, that's great. If we can get like um, someone who's uh, not straight, cool. Like, so if you do one of those things, and then you add on the possibility of, you know, not stirring the boat, you know, or not stirring the pot, not shaking the boat a little bit. Mm-hmm. Oh, they're going to go for you. Oh, but I have work. seen, I have seen those people in those positions and they're not doing, they're not doing the work that you nor I would be doing in those positions. Right. Mm-hmm. They are, they're, they're happy with coasting because they are happy with exactly where they are. I get it. Listen, I know not everyone's going to be the person to go in a in a situation and flip the table, but I will never be that person who can just be comfortable with allowing things to stay the way they are and then also not progressing other people who come after me who are from my culture, my background and from like non-traditional like backgrounds within my space. How are you doing that? That you can be held responsible for because I've seen plenty of that as well. Yeah, I think so. Back to the the all skin folk and kin folk. That is so true. So true. Now, my issue with these diversity statements from people of color are because you have to remember who is looking at these diversity statements. Mm. Who makes up the board? 
who are reading this? Just a color color analysis. Who are reading this? <laughs> Not Michael pointing at himself. <laughs> oh my gosh! So make it better. Just they truly one ain't gonna understand any of that experience that will come from a person of color. Now, but you know, I have to take a little step far. They, I feel like some of them would end up taking some of those sentences mm -hmm. and using it for themselves. Child, I'll cut someone <laughs> if I ever see. <laughs> uh, you, the thing is, you know, we're always talking about change, blah, blah, blah. And we're talking about these searches. Okay, well, who are on the board for these searches? On these institutions that are a predominantly white. So who, because on, on a, a search committee, on an academic, you know, search committee, they're usually tenured professors. Yep. You ask, I don't know the statistics, somebody can look it up, but I'm pretty sure it's a high, very, very high number of tenure professors who are white. And there is a very low number of people of color that are tenure professors in any, in any subject. So th that's where my kind of, um, I, I, I guess, not anger, aggression maybe mm -hmm. comes from is because who is reading this? Because if now, if it was, if it was the person of color that I knew was on this board and I'm, I'm submitting it to them, absolutely, I would have no problem. Because then, A, that person of color would know all skin folk and kin folk. That's that part. And two, they would understand how to read through BS. And they will understand, what, yes, what you said about we need to change this, this is absolutely correct. Now, there are some uh, individuals who are Caucasian. Okay, who are like, yes, I am all for this change. Love it. Mm -hmm. We love a good ally. We really do. But for the yeah. most part, it is lip service, not real, not real service. They're like, yeah, we we want diversity. That's a, that you said that with your mouth. You didn't actually mm -hmm. mean that. So that's that's where I'm coming from. Is that. Who, the people that are on this board truly do, they really do not care. They truly no. do not care. And that's because I've seen people that have been on some academic searches. And I'm like, no way. No way. You got it, Michael. You got it. I mean, it's the same thing. I mean, the, the whole academic searches thing is flawed. <clears throat> we already know this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like Anthony said, everything. It's true, it is. and it it really annoys me with 
because every time we bring up hiring practices, people are always just like, well, the best person who, who, who has a job obviously was the best person for the job. And I was like, don't lie. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, you're going to tell me that the reason why U.S. orchestras and orchestras, symphony orchestras in general are so white is because there aren't other people of color who are just as good, if not better than those people who are sitting in those seats. You're really going to lie like that. You're well, going to lie like that. You remember a couple a couple episodes ago, remember I brought that up, that student mm -hmm. that was sitting in front of me, that he mm -hmm. felt yep. that the only reason a people of color, black, I knew he was talking about black people, uh, got, you know, those positions above him is because they were black and they needed to fill a quota. Not because they maybe practiced harder. They maybe really, really, really got exactly just better than you no, that can't comprehend that no because it's not possible correct mm -hmm. it's gonna be guys mm -hmm. so yeah no i mean well like we'll think about it there's for for us for skin folk who have who are in these positions especially once you get past like just the high school level when people see you someone's always going to ask the question of how did you get here mm. right if 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 that's the first thing always is anytime i enter into a space that is above like the high school level and i'm doing what i'm doing now there's always someone usually a white male who will look at me and i know exactly what he's asking he's like how the hell mm. did she get into this room mm -hmm. yes absolutely and it's crazy because I think about that and like the person you were just now mentioning who was like I just believe they gotta you know da -da -da, all this affirmative action shit um, <laughs> like they they in their community that's not what goes on you literally it's normal for them to be in those spaces right so then when they see one of us somebody with some darker skin tone they they gotta ask themselves like now what what program did you go through what who was your teacher who was your you know what i mean who are your parents or who, who did your parents know and da, 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 for you to be in this space I and i hate it because they can't imagine you having the financial resources and the the familial support to get to where you are the same place that they are without any special program or fellowship or anything. And that's what it really is. Let me go ahead and put my finger right on this shit. <laughs> the re when I look into American Orchestra specifically and all these little initiatives they're going on, why are the only reason that you have black and people of color in your orchestras because of a fellowship program? Tell mm -hmm. me that. Tell me that. Because it pisses me off whenever I, I see a person of color within an orchestra and I go, ooh, I'm going to look them up. Oh, who is this? And it says fellowship position. I'm like, God damn it. And all the people on the board's like this. We right did there, good. Like, right we did good. We did it. Look. Uh-huh. Program. Right, got a nice picture. Mm -hmm. And a good picture. Yeah. And so what that is doing, I'm gonna go ahead and say the next step of that, what that is doing is creating a structure within everyone with it, with specifically those people who feel like they're getting undercut for these jobs and positions. They're going, oh, well, they can only get into it because it's a program specifically created for them. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, 
All right, bet, bet. Let's talk about it then. Why is that the only reason it happened? Like ninety percent of us can't even get in those spaces anyway. Let's talk about that reason. Why? Why we can't just do the normal route of auditioning and then get selected for this orchestra? Why can't we do that? I wish we could. I wish I didn't have to go through a fellowship, internship, all these things just to get into the space that y'all just went and auditioned for. Mm-hmm. You don't think I just want to audition for something and win it? Talk about it. Talk about it. Like it. So I I want, especially these institutions who are just now doing these initiatives and the institutions who are, cre- you know, they're creating these in your head, understand what that looks like. Whenever your orchestra is all the same shade, same colors, and then the one, the one instance you have a diversity program, that's the only time you get a drop of color in your orchestra. Think about it. What are you do? What are you actually stop making these fellowship programs? I'm going to go ahead and say it. Stop making them. Change your hiring practices. Change your hiring practices. If you just change your hiring practices, we would not have to have fellowship positions created for people who should have been there in the first place. I don't think she stuttered. Did not. <laughs> Did not. Yeah. Ooh, so, I'm- look, Chow. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Now, I for I do want to bring some statistics up in here real quick, okay? Because I I I looked it up, okay? So, for music professors in the U.S. by race, for white people, sixty nine point six percent of music professors are white, 10.9% uh, is Asian, 9.7% is Hispanic, and 7.2% is Black or African American. Mm. That means on a panel of 10, which they're never that large. First of all, they're like five. Yeah, they're three. usually only five, yes. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes mm-hmm. three. Mm-hmm. Like. And in my case, when I got hired, Ooh. was there a person of color on your hiring panel? Oh no. Was there? Was there a <laughs> Anthony? I'm sorry, you really got to check yourself on that one. I'm sorry. Where do I work? No, no, no. I'm making this a point. I'm making this a point. Was there a female on your hiring panel? Oh. Now, there's a brilliant vocalist that could have been on my panel, but he wasn't. Mm-hmm. The vocal side of things, more the instrumental side of things. Okay, well, you know, see? Yeah, yeah. I, it, I have three men older than 40. Mm. Okay, mm-hmm. well, more statistics. Uh, music professors, there are 62% uh, is male and 37.6% is female uh, music professors. Um, so it's actually funny. Uh, maybe we could post this um, uh, chart on, on here somewhere. But so this chart says music professors race and ethnicity over time. Tell me why Black basically... Basically, since 2010 to 2019, 
everything has mostly stayed the same. So it, it literally goes, well, white goes down literally just a, just a tad. Every other race, Huge. same, mm. same. Of, and of course the black people, same, but at the bottom. Mm. So I, again, that just goes back to this whole thing of like, huh, what am I doing this for? Mm. Oh, ooh, this is a better one, y'all. Music professor wage gap by race. Y'all ready? For, are y'all ready for this? Are y'all ready for it? Okay. I love the Googles. T. So for white people, the average is $53,000. For, interesting, the Asian um, professors, they would make an uh, average about $54,500. Hispanics were make around $52,681 and your black and African-American professors would make average of $52,526. So what do you think these wage gaps are, are, are like and why? I think the biggest thing that happens is, th I mean, think about our undergraduate department right and think about all our department chairs you know what i mean who who were the department chairs just take a moment reflect i already already reflected <laughs> i already knew exactly who was in those positions that's the gap child that's the gap the gap is who they're put so you yeah you know, oh we're professors but then there are ways you know you can you can stack someone above the other person where you're technically at the same level but then they go eh here you go and that still gives them the leg up, you know what I mean? And that's how they slowly just start doing that. Like, oh, just give them the the the, the chair of the department, you know, and everything. Mm -hmm. A lot of that goes through that. Mm. I'm sure. Oh, I'm. Oh, I am. We all know the shady dealings of uh, higher academia. Shady and political. Shady and the political. Behind the scenes, behind closed doors, we know what they what they are doing. And we also know that they are really, really trying their hardest to gatekeep higher academia from people of color. So that is again why I'm like, who the hell am I writing this for? Because we all know that you are not really sitting here and reflecting on what is being said, especially when it's a person of color. But if there is a white person that, that will uh, write this diversity statement, oh my gosh, they are like, they are Superman. Oh my gosh, do you see? They are going to save us, okay? They are going to lead us into the future of music. This goes back to the whole thing. When your less melanated people do one thing, they, they are held to such high regards. The bare minimum, the bare minimum, not even the bare minimum, but wow, they get a Nobel Peace Prize. The, the expectation, the act, the what, what people should expect. 
It's so like, and what I hate the most, I'm going back to boards because this has been a huge discussion within the nonprofit like area the past two years, especially three years, especially is who you have on your boards matters so much. And that should, that is an understatement, but I'm going to say it again, the, who you have on your board is a reflection of your organization. So when I go into a boardroom, go into a board meeting, and I'm meeting all these very waspy rich people who kind of have no understanding of what anyone who actually are from communities who they're trying to help and serve are like, I'm sitting there like, this is like a patty cake, pat yourself in the back circle going on in here. Oh, we did one program that, that celebrated this one community who we have no idea except for one person of the community who we know who's from that actual community. And we're so proud of ourselves for doing this. Mind you, the actual program that's supposed to be celebrating this one specific community also has this masterworks on it. Because they, they're still scared that if they like program a complete program without any of the, of the Brahms and the Haydn and the Mozart, then no one's going to come. <laughs> so I, it, it actually bothers me so much to see all this immediate celebratory things happening in the in this like because what are you actually doing and that's what pisses me off the most about these positions is a lot of people in these positions are like oh we need to get this person in here we need to have this person in here i'm like we should why are you here what are you contributing to this besides saying like i think we're doing a good job and kissing ass and da 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 move because what pisses me off the most is when i see people in those positions who are not pushing as you know what i mean like you know when you see people and you're like you're someone who you're never satisfied you are always going to the next level you are always pushing you are always seeing the next step those are my type of people those are the people who i'm like you need to be there because if you're not trying to progress and move forward why are you here why are you just there to say i think we're doing a good job and i think that we have to pat ourselves why mm -hmm. why do you feel the need to get praised by other people who are doing exactly the not work you're doing and for something that you made someone else curate you know what i mean like what why are you in the space why are you taking up space that people who want to actually do the work could be in and could actually make significant changes? It's because, bottom line, these organizations that are putting out these diversity statements and all this stuff actually don't, they're not about it. They're not really about it. If you're actually about it, it will be reflected in every single aspect of your organization. It's not just the one like community performance. It's not just the one diversity fellowship. It is everything from your CEO to your board, to your musicians, to the people who are in your audiences. If you're not thinking about all that, you're not about it. Oh, it's man. performative. I'm sorry, I'm sorry to say it. Everything you're doing is performative. Talk about it. It's not real change. I'm actually more what Michael was saying a very long time ago. Like I'll see what it looks like in a few years. I'm team that now. I'm very much team that because I am 1000% sure as soon as these things go out of trend, it's going to go back to exactly how it was. It's going to be a revolution of going back to exactly what it was in the, in the first place. I'm telling you. <laughs>
Because the, the thing about it is the people who are in those positions now will never, ever give up their spaces. It never. doesn't matter. If, if they say that someone else deserves to be there, they will never, ever give up their spaces. No. Their Hell, seats at the table? Look, no. Look at your... Um, Look at the freaking government. You know how yeah, how can Congress. you serve right? How can you serve for thirty something years on the Senate? But and then just like you know, we need to make space for these people. Well, give up your spot. They will never right, get up, move. They will never, never, never. <laughs> they will die there. Like Senator Palpatine, bring it on. <laughs> I'll fight you with my lightsaber. <laughs> I, will, I will break down this Senate before I give it up. Mm -hmm. I, I'm taking and I'm taking everybody down with me. That's right. literally oh, right. what they are saying. I'm literally bringing every. You want me to leave? I'm yeah. taking everybody. I know all y'all dirty secrets. I'm bringing everybody. Right. Air it out. I, I, <laughs> I, will, I will say I'm petty like that too. That's okay. like if, someone, if someone takes me down, I'm releasing every screenshot I got, Ooh. and I'm leaving. Not, not you got, not you got a, 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 a storage, a storage. Bro. It's called the end of the world bunker, and mine is full. Just know, if I'm going down, there's a lot coming with me. Oof, trifling. It ain't just one. Trifling, such a trifling. You know, this is that, and that is this. Mm. I will just say a quick aside about grinding gears. <clears throat> Band directors, can you stop waiting till October to hire people or try to see if you need help? Mm. If you need sexual help, everybody's booked. You, you, book, you, you book in the summer and it is not our job to find you somebody. That is your job. So just saying, if you want the help, and you want this, you want that. Pay your people well. Don't argue with them on what they like. If you can't afford them, just say that and move on. Mm. And then also don't ask after school starts because mm. we already got our stuff lined up. And that's our livelihood. We can't be waiting there. I finally got the call. I finally got the call. No. Mm -hmm. Uh uh. I gotta make my money. I'm fat. I need to eat. Okay. Anthony likes to go to these expensive restaurants. Hold on now. Hold on now. Why you gotta call me out? Hold on. Hold on. I mean, we can release the we can release the receipt in the show notes. First. <laughs> you can release my receipt. I ain't shame nothing. First of all, yes, yes, and yes. Mm-hmm. First, but that's the every blue moon type of thing. Okay. It's not like I'm going to restaurants. And, you know, always spending a, a good hefty check. I say don't say the check. So honestly, a lot of a lot of this is kind of coming into you just need to have your house in order. You know what I mean? But at the same time, you know, be about what you're about. Hmm. That's what I, I'm always very much like. I, I prefer to know exactly who you are, exactly who I'm dealing with, rather than someone who's just going to smile to my face and then lie behind my back. Sorry. Like I, all these institutions, Ooh. I encourage you to just say it. Just be about what you're about. If you're like, well, we want to program Beethoven. We, we want pe people who are familiar with Beethoven in our seats. Cool. 
Because you, know, you should let people know. <laughs> I'm sorry. That just like reminded me of something. Uh, if you racist, just say that. You know, like honestly, like not, not, just wear it. Just wear it. Just wear it. Personally, I respect that more because I do. What I don't like is somebody who's like I'm for you, but then really like they we know we know, and that's a lot of people that goes back to that lip service. I don't like mm-hmm. that. I can respect a flat out racist because I'm like at least I know, I, I know for right. I know for you aren't here for me, and I'm not here for you, and. Mm-hmm. We're fine. Long as you you are not, you know, invading on my space and I'm not invading on yours, we can see each other from across the room. Ooh, that leads into something completely different. How to be a colleague. Mm. Very quickly. Mm. If you're working with high school students, <clears throat> why are you going to bring them into things? Mm. And just to let you know, they will tell the people they like the things that are said mm. and then don't go around and be like, oh, people are so rude. Be better. I need you to be professional. be professional, you know, just be professional. Just like, keep it cordial. Hello. Hi, how are you doing? That's it. Get to work. But now let me just tell you something. And this is, this is coming from old school, Anthony. The moment that you disrespect my professionalism mm. is the moment I go real low because I promise you I can go lower than anybody. So the moment you raise your voice and the moment that you start cussing, I really don't care anymore. You finna get a whole lot. Just know that. Now, because I have had a situation like this and I, you know, I will have to say I, I was proud of myself. Proud of myself. I dealt with this situation because I could have ended up, you know, some mm-hmm. moments. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I had a, a colleague um, end up raising their voice, end up cussing um, in front of students, might I add, um, because they weren't getting their way. Okay. Um, so just to sum up that story, um, there was an event, the event was not going well while that person was in charge, uh, and, and running it. I made a couple suggestions. Like, I think that this might be better if you do it this way, it'll cut time. It'll be efficient. Um, our supervisor liked that, um, and was like, I think we're going to go with, you know, some of the revisions that Anthony, you know, suggested this colleague um ended up throwing a, a, a temper tantrum and uh cussing at me in my face the only thing that saved this colleague was that there were students right there that is the only thing that saved this colleague because and it i thought to myself hey there's students right here there's two allegedly professionals mind you this professional allegedly that's in front of me is three times my age right now three times my age and is sitting here with a temper tantrum what is this child going to think who is this child going to actually uh maybe take inspiration from 
Mm. We need to show children that there are other ways. Whenever you have a disagreement with somebody, the best way is just talk through it and not just react. So I said, you know, let me keep my, let me hold on to my peace. My decorum. For right now. For right now. So I let this colleague continue to talk all that they wanted. And I and I just now this colleague ended up just saying, I don't want to be a part of this event anymore. Da, da, da. Okay, we'll leave. Goodbye. Move along. Move along. Um, after that, I definitely sent a long-worded email because I didn't see this colleague ever again. Uh, so what I did was I sent her a great email and that email, it basically sounded up documentation is everything, everybody just yes. know that. So yes. basically I summed up everything that that colleague said to me in front of students. I, and I called them out for being unprofessional, being at the age of 63 years old and a 24 year old is more of a mature person than that colleague. And I, I, I left them with some good choice words. The same choice words that they used to cuss me out is the same choice cuss words that I, I ended that email with. Mm. As you should. As you should. That's I what just... you're not going to do. You're not going to do that. Okay? You were spared because I thought about my professional. Mm. I love teaching. I love being a professional. And another thing that I thought about before I responded, before for me not to respond to this person, I thought about, I am a Black man. If mm. my voice were to raise up to the decibels that this colleague is mm. going to me, aggressive. which one, thank you, which one of us is going to be labeled aggressive? Not this colleague. Mm. Mind you, she was a white female. Definitely not that colleague. No. No. So, again, there was a many things that were going through my head. And I, and I definitely could have because, first of all, nobody in the school liked this colleague. We were cordial before this moment. But if anything, and, and I said this in, in my last email, if we were in any other um, occasion or any other environment, you would have been picking your face up off the floor. And I meant mm -hmm. that. I really meant that. Mm -hmm. So you, just in case you try to do this again, you mm -hmm. better have some people behind you because that's a problem. Um, I'm done. <clears throat> I would like to tell the audience that Anthony is um, has a great filter. Uh, I don't do that. I'm petty as all get out. I'm petty as hell. I am petty as hell. Once I find something out, I will just do it over. Since you said I already did, I'm going to just keep doing it. I'm going to make sure everybody hears that I do it. I, I don't care. I, can't, I am not, I am, I don't have a good filter. Only when it is in a profession, when we are, are in some a professional setting that I am a teacher. Mm -hmm. Now, right now, as a student, you can try it if you want to. I'm not a teacher. I'm a student. Try it if you want to. Hey, try, just try it. Try it. I, I want 
as a teacher, I won't do it. I just, mm, you have a, you said I do this thing. Okay, I'll just keep doing it. Keep on. Keep on. And I will do it even worse. You just put steroids on whatever you just didn't like. Because I don't care. I, I do not care. Because I know my students know I care about them and know everything I'm doing for them is for them. If you're not them, then I don't care. Period. Ooh, ooh, it was a whole lot, a whole lot. I had to come out of this, Chuck. Yes. Uh-huh. Listen, sometimes you got to get it all out, mm -hmm. right? Like, you just have to, to release it into the air. Then you got to whoosh off afterwards, because I've been doing a lot of that past two weeks. Yeah. A lot of holding it in and getting home. and Because, listen, as much as we want to, we can't act out the way that some people can you know we we don't have we don't have a second chances like other people have so that's something i'm i'm gonna be honest you better you better think about it before you say it unfortunately because we don't have as as much we don't get as much grace or mercy as maybe our other colleagues you know what i mean so I, I admire you, Anthony, for how you handle that. I've been in very similar situations where I'm like just biting my tongue and I'm like, ooh, like, oh, I want to I want to say it, but I'm not going to for a lot of different reasons. And I wait because it's always nice to reflect, take a minute, reflect on what is going on. Let the immediate like fury wash over. Take a moment to think. I like to sleep on things. I like to take a minute. I like to sleep on them and wake up and, and see like, like think about what I actually see and what actually happened and then go, oh, car. <laughs> you know, now let me go in. Now let me go in because now yeah. I see it. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, like I, you know, there's a lot of things that there's some, they're good. You know, we've been reflecting a lot of the things we want to see change, but that's because we are people who want to see change. That's just the truth about it. We also know that they're the people who are in those positions who are doing amazing things. And we see y'all. We really do see y'all. And um, it's it's great to see, um, but there's more to be done. And we, we have to push the, the groups, the organizations, the people who still have plenty of work left to do, who have definitely the they they have the, the means to do these changes it's just the actual desire the intentions and the actual follow-through that needs to be seen so maybe in 2030 we'll see how the field is and uh see if any of the, what we're doing what'd you say it ain't gonna take that long it won't i try to i try to give them the benefit of the doubt I'm I'm saying that if by that we'll see in a few years where the field actually is, not the trends, but where the field where actually the field. is. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Until then, <laughs> I hope you guys. Uh, I hope this was something that made you think. Um, hopefully, there was something you pondered. Maybe you felt seen and heard, or you you had situations that we brought up that you are currently dealing with. Know that you are not alone. Um, always feel free to ask us questions, and and I've had plenty of people who've asked like, "How have you dealt with this, these situations?" I always love sharing that 
You know what I mean? Especially it's even the ones that maybe I feel like I could have dealt with better. Those are all learning situations. We're still learning. Um, that's I think that's why this perspective, our perspective is so unique is because we are still young and learning and going through all these things. So we're not just set in our ways. We are constantly changing and, you know, adjusting. So we hope that this is something you leave with takeaways from. And uh, we'll be back next week doing the same thing. Keep it relative. Bye, y'all. Bye.